We're in a series right now. It's called Know Your Enemy. And I want to tell you, it's not my favorite series. Some of you were thinking the same thing, right? Not your favorite series. I I much prefer to uh, talk about the, the series we just finished a couple of weeks ago, The One True God. I mean, God is my favorite subject. You know, that's, I mean not just to talk about, but that's my favorite subject to study and, you know, just to seek to know him. I love that. But when we talk about knowing the enemy, you just need to understand that it is a necessity that we know who our enemy is and we know how he works. We're going to read again 1 Peter 5, 8. The scripture tells us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It's like the old song says, many souls have been his prey to fall in some weak hour. I'm telling you, we have an adversary. There is an enemy of your soul. And the Bible warns us to be sober, be vigilant. We have to always be alert. We have to always be ready because there is an enemy who is out to destroy. There's an enemy who wants to mess up your life. He wants to keep you from fulfilling the plan and purpose of God in your life. So many in our culture today don't even think that the devil is real. They think he's just a symbol of evil. But if you read the Bible, you'll see that Satan is real. And now, if you read the Bible and, you, and you, you don't believe the Bible, well, you're living in a fantasy land anyway. But the devil is real. I'm just telling you, the things in this book... The things that this book tells us are more real than what you see with the natural eye. And you may not see the devil, but he is very real, and he is your adversary, the Bible says. Jesus had to deal with the devil, and so do we. We need to know who our enemy is and how he works. He's always working to steal, kill, and destroy. Paul said we are not ignorant of his devices, Deception is Satan's favorite device. It is his weapon of choice. He has used it from the Garden of Eden until now. It is his main weapon. Over and over and over again, he uses deception to get into people's lives and to mess up their life. Revelation 12, 9 says this. So the great dragon, there's another term for Satan, the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Notice this though, he deceives the whole earth. He is the master of deception. He's very good at it. He's been doing it for a very long time. And he keeps using it because it works. From the beginning in the garden when Satan came, to bring death and destruction and heartache into this world, listen to me, he first had to deceive Eve. He had to corrupt their minds before he could corrupt their life. And you need to know this, that in our life, he brings deception. He tries to get his thinking wrong so he can mess up our life. You need to understand how powerful deception is, that it's not just, you know, 
a little trick. No, it is to get your life going the wrong direction, to keep you from the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. But Satan cast doubt in Eve's mind that God's word was not true. And when she believed the lie instead of God's word, that's when the fall of man began. But to corrupt man spiritually, he first had to corrupt man mentally. And the same thing is true with us. He got man thinking wrong. When he gets us thinking wrong, it is opening the door for the enemy's work in our life. We need to always be aware of the master of deception. Listen, he uses that same weapon against us every day. You know, we don't study Satan much. We'd rather study God. But do know this, that Satan and the forces of darkness, they study us to know what our weaknesses are and what our strengths are. They are always working against us. And you need to know that, that it's not a game. No, this fight is real. We see the evidence of Satan's work all around our world. We see the works of the devil and so much heartache and destruction. But he always wants to keep you from living the life God has for you. And he knows the best way to mess people up is to mess up their thinking. 2 Corinthians 11, 2 and 3. And before I even read this one, I just have to mention to you that if you start looking through the Bible, and especially the New Testament, for the word deception or deceive or deceiving, you will find so many verses of Scripture, not all of them have Satan's name attached to them, but it is the weapon that he uses so often. So here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 11, 2 and 3. He says, this is Paul speaking, he says, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I want you to just take note of that last phrase, that last portion there first. So your minds might be corrupted. You see, he's always trying to deceive to corrupt our minds, to get us thinking wrong. First, Paul says that he is jealous for them with a godly jealousy. He wants them to stay completely devoted to Christ. That their affection, their love, their devotion would not be divided in any way. He is jealous for them with a godly jealousy. But here's the problem. He says it very plainly that just as Eve was deceived... The enemy wants to corrupt our minds to deceive us. And you'll notice he says this, by his craftiness. You see, this is his craft. This is his trade. This is how he works. And he's very good at it. So we need to be aware. We need to be sober, be vigilant all the time. Paul says Satan wants to corrupt our minds from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, there are a thousand things that we could be deceived about, but in this passage, Paul is specifically talking about this simplicity in Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. 
I want to tell you the gospel is very simple. The simplicity that is in Christ. That Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. That we are not our own. We have been bought with a price. We belong to him. And he deserves our wholehearted devotion. Listen, the simplicity in Christ. That God loves us and we love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the simplicity in Christ. It's amazing how the devil gets people mixed up, gets people distracted, gets them to allow other things to steal away their love, their devotion, other things to become a priority in their life instead of God. And I'm just telling you, we got to hold to the simplicity that is in Christ and not allow Satan to deceive us and pull us away. So many allow Satan to mess up their thinking. If he can mess up your thinking, he'll mess up your believing. And when he messes up your believing, he'll mess up your living, how you live and what you do. People no longer really living in obedience to God. You know, here's a great deception in our world right now, in the religious world. Because of grace, it doesn't matter if I obey God or not. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Jude talks about that, that they changed the grace of God into a license for immorality. That's a lie. That's a deception of the enemy. You need to know, yes, we are supposed to obey God. And when we are not obeying God, we have believed a lie. We have been deceived. How does it start? He gets you thinking wrong. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, Satan can't just, can't just come destroy you. You're a child of God. I want you to know this, though. He's just as content to get you distracted and get you to not fulfill the plan and purpose of God in your life. As long as you're not doing what God wants, you're no threat to Him. But He doesn't have the authority to just do whatever He wants to you. But if He can get you to believe a lie and disobey God, it opens the door. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And when we're in disobedience to God, not doing what we're supposed to be doing, so often we are opening the door for the enemy. We're giving him an inroad into our life to bring trouble. Messed up lives. You know how messed up lives start? Messed up thinking. The devil deceives and he corrupts their minds. You know, we need to always remember that Satan is the tempter. He uses deception to get people to disobey God. The Lord said that David was a man after his own heart. He was a great man of God, a great worshiper, a great king, a great leader for God's people. How could this great man of God, King David... How could he sin so horribly where he commits adultery with another man's wife? This great man of God. How could this happen? I want you to know there had to be some deception involved. 
I don't know what he possibly could have been thinking. But there was deception. He goes up on the roof, and he looks out, and he sees a beautiful woman bathing. I think there was probably this deception. It doesn't hurt to look. Oh, that one's still going on. That one's still strong, and it doesn't hurt to look. Sometimes it really hurts to look. Because Jesus says in Matthew 5, 28, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's a horrible sin. No, it's not a sin to look. But it is if the motive of the heart was lust. David must have fallen for that deception. Don't fall for that deception. Maybe he thought, you know, I killed Goliath. I've done so much for the Lord and for God's people. I'm the king. I deserve a fling. Oh, there's all kinds of ways the enemy will get you thinking wrong and twist things up, get you headed the wrong way. Maybe he thought no one will know. I can do this and not get caught. But then he finds out that Bathsheba is pregnant and he gets her husband to come home from the war hoping that he will sleep with her and that he'll think that the child is his. But at this point, at least, her husband Uriah was a much better man than David because he wouldn't even go sleep with his wife because he felt like it was not fair for him to do so while all the other men were out fighting the enemy. And so David has him sent to the front and abandoned there where he will be killed. It was in essence murder. How could this great man of God fall so far that he would commit adultery and then commit murder to cover it up? I'm telling you there were deceptions. Maybe he thought that it was for the greater good that because he was the king that he had to sacrifice Uriah. I don't know, but I do know this that Satan had a hand in it. Now, you know, the end of the story here is, is that in the mercy of God, God forgave David. The penalty for either of these sins was that he would be put to death. And God showed him mercy. He wasn't put to death. But know this, if you read the rest of the story of the life of David in the Scripture you will see that David reaped tragedy and heartache and so much drama the rest of his life. And I'm telling you that the enemy of our soul is always working to deceive, to get us to disobey God. He knows that if he can do that, it opens the door for trouble, for heartache in our life. Deception. All kinds of deception. It's just a date. It's just one drink. How many have been deceived by the phrase, it doesn't hurt anybody? Satan deceives. One of the ways that he deceives, we 
read in Revelation 12, 9, he deceives the whole world. And so I want you to understand that one of the ways he deceives is that he tries to use the influence, the attitudes of the culture, the world that we live in to deceive us. Now, we as believers in the church, we know better than that. But I want to tell you as a pastor, having been in ministry for 40 years, I have seen the attitudes of the church. And I'm not talking about traditions of men. I'm talking about in regard to principles of Scripture. But the attitudes have changed. And so much of the time, we've just kind of gone along with the attitudes of the world. So much so that today... Preachers and teachers talking about marriage are trying to adapt and change what the Bible says and to fit it in with what is acceptable to our culture. So when I say that this is one of the ways Satan deceives, you need to know this is very real. And whether we realize it or not, it can happen to us. You see, it's not even just who we're with. No, we're influenced every day through all kinds of forms of media. And you know what? Those things can be used for good, but so much of the time, our minds can be corrupted by all of this influence of the world. And we hear these things, and we, young people, you grow up with it, and you just, we start thinking that this is right, and this is the way this is. The mind has been corrupted. We need to go back to the Word of God. It is the cure. It's the cure and the preventative for deception. Paul says in Colossians 2.8 in the NIV, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and basic principles of this world, rather than Christ. Here's an attitude of the world that's real prevalent in one way or another. There's a lot of different ways to say it, but he who has the most toys wins. We think that if somebody is really successful financially, that that is such a big deal. We've been so influenced with this carnal mindset about money where People get deceived and they put their trust in money. The Bible warns us, don't put your your trust in money. It's uncertain. Here today, gone tomorrow. But when you you put your trust in money, you're, you're making a God out of money. And it's such a deception in our world. So many people, money just becomes the most important thing. They're deceived into thinking if they just had a little more money, then everything would work out. They could fix things. Everything would be all right. No, people that have a little more than you do, they got all kinds of problems too. If If you think having a lot of money fixes things, just look at what happens to the vast majority of lottery winners. If anything, their life is worse than before they had money. I know some of you thinking, I want to try it, but... That's because we we adapted this mindset of culture that money is so important. Another attitude that's summed up in a phrase is 
If it feels good, do it. You know, I don't hear that phrase much anymore. It was big back in the 60s and 70s. That's right, I'm old. Back in the 60s and 70s, it was a hot phrase. If it feels good, do it. But you know what? That attitude is alive and well. So much of the time, people just do what they want. Even when it comes to spiritual things, even when it comes to the things of God, people say, well, you know, I just feel like... They, they decide whether they're going to church, whether they're going to worship, whether they're going to get involved in serving and obeying God, whether they're going to whatever, how I feel. Their feelings are running their life, not God. It's an attitude of the world that so many people have been deceived by. Forget about what God wants. What do you want? It goes right along with this one. The most important thing is that I'm happy. No, it's not. I tell you, that is such a deception. You know, people say, well, I have a right to the pursuit of happiness. Well, you know what? That's in the Declaration of Independence, and I'm glad, but it ain't in the Bible. And if you're pursuing after happiness, if that's your goal, if that's, you know, what you're running after, you've made a God out of happiness. And here's the thing about pursuing happiness. It's like chasing after the wind. You won't ever get it that way. Here's how you get it. The Bible says in Psalm 144, verse 15, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. I mean, when you really let Him be the Lord of your life and be God in your life, you've got something to be happy about. That doesn't mean that everything's going to be roses for you, but it means that, you know what? You know that God is for you. You know that you're going to overcome. You read the back of the book, you know that you win. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. And, you know, I know we all get down, maybe we get depressed sometimes, but you know what, even then, it's probably because we've allowed some deception to pull us aside. We need to focus on the Lord. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. That's where real happiness is. But so many trade away an abundant life of blessings with the Lord, trying to catch just a few moments of happiness or pleasure. They're deceived. The Scripture mentions several attitudes, several of those in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and it talks about, it mentions four kinds of lovers. And I want to read there uh, in 2 Timothy 3, beginning with 1 and 2. He says, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. There's a huge deception. This is taught from a lot of pulpits in America. Well, you need to love yourself. Some of you thinking, yeah, that's right. That's a deception. When Jesus says, love your neighbors yourself, he presupposes that everybody loves themselves, and they do. There's a huge difference between liking yourself and loving yourself. A lot of people don't like themselves at all. But they love themselves. And you need to understand the difference. In the last days, it'll be terrible times. Men will be lovers of themselves. That's not a good thing. Lovers of money. We already talked about that one. A lot of people make a God out of money. 
Then in verse 4, he says, lovers of pleasure. That one is huge in our culture right now. In fact, it probably trumps money. Just, just having fun, just being happy, just having you know, pleasure in your life. It's, it's more important than money. What's money good for? Make yourself happy. I'm just telling you that it is such a God in a lot of people's life. He says, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Satan hates it when people love God. He hates it when we serve God, hates it when we worship God, when we live for God, when we pursue after God. And so he's always trying to bring deception in to get us distracted with other things. And when God is not truly our first love, we've been deceived in some way. But there's so many attitudes of the world that influence and deceive believers. Satan loves to use pride to deceive. Here's another great deception in our country today. Pride is considered to be a good thing. Now, I'm going to give this. Sometimes we use the word pride in a way that we're not actually talking about pride. But pride in our country is almost always spoken of as a good thing. But in the Scripture... It is never spoken of as a good thing. It is an evil sin that leads to all kinds of sin. And when Satan deceives you and gets you off into pride, let me tell you, it opens the door for all kinds of deception in your life. You know, one of the things that has become a popular attitude in our country, and it just... It's just kind of part of our culture. You see, this is what we need to be aware of. These things are just part of our culture. It's not like Satan shows up and says, hey, I got a lie for you. But here it is. So everything, you know, everything good in my life is things that I, I earned. I worked for it. I made the right choice. I mean, I, I picked this beautiful little woman down here. You want some... Dating advice, come to me. I mean, I'm, look, I know what I'm doing. It's real easy for us to get off into pride where we think that we did this and I did that and we don't give God the glory. We don't give God the thanks. In Romans chapter 1, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're going to need to read it and find out for yourself. But this was how the downfall, the slide of man to depravity came was that they knew God, but they didn't glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful. That's how it begins. Here's what the Bible says in James 1, 16 and 17. Now, sometimes I've talked about this passage, in fact, just recently, and I just read verse 17, but I want to pick up 16 this morning. He says... Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Do not be deceived. This, then here's what he says. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He is a good, good Father. And everything good in our life, ultimately, it came from Him. Satan will try to get you into pride where you think, I earned it, I deserve it, I did this, I studied, I worked hard, me, me, me. And then, when something goes wrong and there's something bad in your life, then it's not you, 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 then it's, why did God do this? Why did God let this happen? That's right. 
That's the deception of the devil. He uses situations and circumstances to try to set us up for deception. Things go wrong, and we start thinking that God has failed us or let us down somehow. And I'm just telling you that in this world... You're going to have trouble. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. So we shouldn't be surprised when trouble comes. Don't let the enemy deceive you just because trouble came. But be of good cheer, he said, because I have overcome the world. And we who are born again overcome the world. We overcome by faith. So don't fall for the deceptions of the enemy. He tries to use situations and circumstances. Satan also tries to use people to get us thinking wrong. And not just, you know, listen, it's not just some guy that you know that's so bad and he's rotten and doesn't even believe in God and so the devil's going to use him to speak to you. No, most of us are smarter than that. But what does happen a lot is when well-meaning people say things to us that's not God, it's the enemy trying to plant a seed of deception. Let me just give you a real blatant example from the Scripture. It's Mark 8, 31-33. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly... Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Wow, this Peter, he's something else, isn't he? You talk about bold. He's rebuking Jesus. And the, another gospel, he makes, makes it clear that, you know, he, he had Je- Jesus' best interests at heart. He loved Jesus, and he, he just didn't believe that this could possibly be in the plan and the will of God. He meant well. But Satan has deceived Peter, and he's trying to use him. You see, Satan uses people, even well-meaning believers. He's trying to use him to deceive Jesus. Look what Jesus says to him. Verse 33, but when he turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And sometimes it is well-meaning people. It's friends. It can even be family. And they, they're try, they think they're helping you, but they don't have in mind the things of God, but instead the things of men. Now, I want to caution you. You know, if somebody's saying something to you and you know it's not God, um, don't call them Satan. <laughs> Jesus was talking to the devil Get thee behind me, Satan. But he knew that it was Satan that was using Peter in that moment. We just need to realize that he uses people and don't allow him to deceive you just because it's coming from somebody that you know or a friend or somebody you love. we got to be alert and ready for the, de- the devices of the devil. And so often it's deception. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14, I mentioned this verse last week, but it needs to be said again. Satan 
transforms himself into an angel of light. And when he comes to deceive you, he, he doesn't show up looking like a bad thing. He shows up looking like a good thing. See, to the businessman, he, he shows up with a great opportunity to make a lot of money. Well, that's a good thing. No, that's Satan presenting himself as an angel of light. Sometimes he shows up as a good-looking man or a good-looking woman. Sometimes he shows up as a preacher, a teacher, saying things that they mean well, but they're in error, and they're deceiving. They don't even know. They're deceived. They don't even realize what they're doing. They say, well, I got, I got some deeper truth. Listen, we just need to hold to the Word of God. It's amazing to me what people do with the Scripture now. And some of these modern paraphrases that call themselves a translation. It is not a translation. It is a paraphrase. It is somebody's interpretation of what the Scripture means. You need to watch yourself and hold to the truth of God's Word. Don't start reading all these weird paraphrases. I mean, if you want to read it, that's fine. But you need to realize that it's not necessarily giving you the truth of God's Word. It's somebody's opinion. I am amazed how many preachers are quoting these sloppy paraphrases. Just because it's got a new fang-dangled way to say it, and they think it's so cool, because now we, we've got a whole lot of new sermons we can preach from this Bible. It's got new stuff. I'm preaching good right now. Some of you need to hear what I'm saying, because the devil is using a lot of this garbage to deceive people and mess people up. A lot of the time, it's, I'm telling you, it's, Satan uses false teaching, popular religious ideas to deceive people. Here, here's one. Here's a religious idea. It's just it's been around for a really long time. I've heard it all my life, and I'm sure that most of you have too, but it has just gained so much traction over the years. You know, I don't want to go to church because there's hypocrites down there at church. Every church has got hypocrites. Any of you ever been one? But here's what I know. My Savior... It was his custom, the Bible says, to go to the synagogue. He, said, he told the people that came to take him away in the garden, he says, I was with you every day in the temple courts. I'm going to tell you, there were hypocrites every time Jesus went, and he went anyway. He went all the time. It's a ridiculous deception of the enemy to tell people, oh, you don't need to go to church, you can be a Christian, and you, know, you, can, you can be close to God. You don't need to go down there and be with them hypocrites. We need the body of Christ. The Bible tells us very plainly in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we can't say to the rest of the body, I don't need you. We need each other. This is the way he has designed it. And 90 or 95% of the time in the scripture when it talks about the church, it's not talking about the universal church. It's talking about the local church. And this is amazing how people say, oh, well, you know, we're all part of the universal church. Well, of course we are. But you're supposed to be part of the local church too. It is a deception to isolate people. 
Oh, how deceived. How deceived to be isolated. But then when you are isolated, you are a setup for deception. So we all need each other. Here it is, Hebrews 10, 24, 25 in the NIV says it this way. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up the meeting give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. They're deceived. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Satan wants to rob you of the strength, the encouragement that comes through Christian community, having brothers and sisters who pray for one another. He wants to isolate you and set you up. We need to hear this, church. Throughout history, Satan has tried all kinds of things to destroy the church and weaken the church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But understand this. In our generation, in America, right now, the greatest attack of Satan, it's not Hollywood, it's not how bad the world is, It's none of those kinds of things. It's not persecution. The greatest attack of Satan right now against the church is the deception that we don't need to go to church. That's what church is. The word church means gathering. It means assembly. And yet Satan is deceiving so many Christians more than ever before. They're staying home. They don't go to church. I'm not talking about people that are watching online for safety reasons, health reasons. I'm talking about people that are just being lazy and just, you know, they got something else to do. You need to go to church and worship God and be with your brothers and sisters in Christ and not just be in a service. You need to build relationships with other people where if you miss, somebody's calling you and saying, hey, everything okay? You say, well, nobody called me. You need to build some relationships. You need to be calling them when they're not there. Man, I'm messing some of you up right now. Because you're thinking, man, people are going to be calling me. That's right. Get them. So many deceived. So many deceived about the tithe. Preachers got to talk about money. That's a deception. Listen to me. Malachi 3, 10 and 11, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So many people have been deceived with this religious idea that none of the Old Testament applies to us. And yet... They pick out the parts they like and say, oh, this is so good. This is for me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want prison. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Psalm 91, I claim it in the name of Jesus. No sickness shall come nigh my dwelling. Listen, yeah, those are for you. So are the commands. What in the world that believers think the Ten Commandments don't apply to us? You could just throw away the Old Testament. doesn't apply to us. All we need is a little New Testament. No, so much 
of understanding the principles of the New Testament comes through the Old Testament. That's what we started off this morning talking about the garden again. And when it comes to the tithe, it's not just Old Testament. Jesus mentions it, and it's talked about in the book of Hebrews. It's not just an Old Testament thing, but there is no verse of Scripture that ever says, hey, guess what, we don't have to do that. Here's the real reason that people don't tithe. It's not because it's Old Testament, so we don't have to do that. It's because they don't believe the promise. Because if you believe the promise, I want to tell you, it ain't a matter of do I have to. It's like, man, I want in on this. That's the real reason. It's not that they have to. Let's just do away with that. Say you don't have to. But if the promise is real, see that the enemy has deceived people that it's not real. This promise is fantastic. I will open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Not be room enough to receive it. I want to tell you that God can just bless your life. This isn't just about money. This is about the blessing of God on your life. He says that you won't be, have room enough to receive it. Did you know that in the New Testament, Jesus says, Luke 6, 38, given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. See, you won't even be able to contain it. Who said this? Jesus in the New Testament will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I don't want God to be stingy with me. Here's the other deception. Preachers, after your money, I really believe what I'm preaching right now. I know that there's a deception, and a lot of people have opened a door for the enemy to bring trouble in their life because they won't obey God in their giving. And I know that my Father will open a door. He'll open the door of heaven and pour out blessings that you can't contain. And this preacher is not after your money. I'm paid very well, thank you. And my salary ain't going to change because you gave. I'm not after your money. That is such a lie of the devil. And I am very blessed as a pastor. But you need to know this, that the vast majority of pastors, the vast majority of pastors are paid very little. Many of them have to work two jobs. And yet the devil has propagated this lie that preachers are just after your money. The handful of preachers that make millions of dollars and the handful of preachers that have deceived people and took people's money and the devil uses that to tell people, and preachers are just after your money. I'm after you being blessed. Amen. 100% from my heart. I mean that with all my heart. I want you to be in that blessing. He talks about how that he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Isn't it amazing how that sometimes, you know, your finances... The, we, there's this come up and that happened and there's too much this and that and it's like you got a hole in your bag the Bible says here's the thing 
Whether you make a little or you make a whole lot, the devourer can get it and leave you in need. But God can rebuke the devourer for your sake. He promised he would. And you know what? When you tithe and then the next week you lose your job, don't get mad at God. That's when you trust God. That's when you stand on the Word of God and you, you believe that promise. God must have something better for me. God's going to work this out. He's going to get me through. That's not when you throw in the towel and give the devil a victory. Yeah, I'm telling you, it is not hard for God to bless you where one day you're saying, wow, our account's going up. I don't even know how that's happening. Instead of where the money went, where'd it come from? Amen. But one of the most damaging deceptions of our day, one that has brought tremendous destruction and heartache into so many lives, is that many people are confused about their gender. They believe that God made a mistake when He created them. It is a deception that is a horrible deception that is such an an attack of Satan against a generation of young people and children to destroy their life. Listen to me. Lives that that are just messed up and so often he actually kills them. 40% of transgender people will attempt suicide. 40% will actually attempt suicide. They try to kill themselves. Why? Because the devil has deceived them. They think that somehow God messed up. God made a big mistake. Well, here's what the Bible says, Psalm 139, 13 through 16. The NIV says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Yep, I'm more fearfully, Carmen's more wonderfully. (laughs) But your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I want to tell you, a young person that memorizes those verses and quotes them every day, get rid of that deception. I'm telling you, he made us. He created us. He goes on, he says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Now, when he says the depths of the earth here, he's not talking about literally in the depths of the earth like he was made down in hell. That's that's not what he's talking about. He's talking figuratively of that secret place in the mother's body. That's what he's talking about. He goes on, he says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days you ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You see, God has a plan for every life. He has a purpose for every single one. And it is the attack of Satan to try to destroy them by telling them that God messed up. No, He created you just as you were meant to be. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Now what I have to say next is for us, the church, and I want you to hear what I have to say. It's very, very important that we understand that this is a deception from Satan. That Satan has deceived these people. Now, a lot of the time, you know, when we see people in sin, we, we need to realize that they've been deceived. 
But these people have been deceived. And we got to get this right. If you hate those people, you are in sin. If you have this anger and vitriol towards these people, you are in sin. If you, listen, if you despise them and you treat them with disdain, you are in sin. If you judge and you condemn, you are in sin. We need to do this right, church. We need to realize that these people are deceived and we need to love them. We need to be kind to them. We need to show them compassion. And when we do speak the truth, we speak it in love. You don't go off on somebody and say, well, I told them the truth in love. No, it needs to be where they think it was love. I mean, I know, I know there's this attitude out there that these people, we just, uh, wrong. That's not the way my Savior would talk to them. We need to get rid of all that anger, all that bitterness. They're deceived. Satan is destroying their life. And if we can possibly help them, it's going to be because we love them. It ought not to be that big a surprise that all this has happened in the last few years because there has been a much larger deception in our culture over the last 30 years or so where the lines have just been blurred again and again between male and female. And in fact, some Bible translations have already removed masculine pronouns and replaced them with gender neutral pronouns when talking about people. They don't want to say he anymore. And translators are now talking about taking the pronouns that refer to God as he and making them gender neutral. When, listen to me, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, right. it was written right. as He right. that our Father refers to Himself as a Father. And Jesus taught us to pray to the Father. Amen. And He is the Son of God. And the Holy Spirit is a He. And you want to change all that? Listen, and this kind of stuff happening in the religious world, is it any wonder that the world around us is so confused? we got to hold to the truth of Scripture. My wife told me, she said, there's going to be an opportunity for people to get offended with this message. Don't let the devil deceive you. I mean, you wouldn't think I'm wrong. But don't let the devil get you sideways. All offended and upset. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go one more, all right? Come on. Here it comes. If I hadn't got you offended yet, I'm going to try one more time. <laughs> That's a strong deception. It's been going on for a really, really long time. 
Alcohol is no big deal. I can handle it. Y'all real quiet right now. So many lives destroyed by alcohol. 95,000 alcohol-related deaths every year in our country. Countless lives, families destroyed by alcohol. Countless. Do you know the devil uses Scripture to deceive people? I read about John chapter 2. Jesus at the wedding cane of Galilee changed the water into wine. And you know what? Praise God, he didn't just make a bottle or two. There were buckets of it. <laughs> For real. Praise God. Let's get some buckets. We'll have, we'll have church. Hey, I'm just taking it just a little further than what's the attitude of a lot of people. How about we consider the whole counsel of the Word of God? And you've made up your mind already. Well, I dare you. I challenge you in the name of Jesus to listen to the Word of God. Believe me, this old preacher boy, I'm well aware of the two or three verses that you can use to try to say, you know, Timothy drank some for his stomach's sake. Are you drinking it for your stomach's sake? I don't think so. How are we doing? Amen. Here it is. Proverbs 23, 29 through 32. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites like a servant, serpent and it stings like a viper. How about this one? Proverbs 20 and 1. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. And whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Listen to it from the King James. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. I'm well aware that you can have a drink, a glass of wine in your home, and nobody's affected, nobody's harmed by that. I just want you to know the devil is using this to destroy so many people. There are at least 15 million alcoholics in America today. People who are bound up and their only hope is Jesus. What an example that many Christians are setting for young people. And maybe you can help it. You know, maybe you can handle it in your freedom in Christ. But who knows who around you is going to be bound up. I'm just telling you, we need to realize. I I, I hope, I, I really, all sincerity, I hope I didn't offend you this morning. But I'm just telling you that this is a deception that the devil is using to bind up so many people and do harm to so many people. And I, I just encourage and challenge you to open, open your heart and, and hear the word of the Lord. The scripture has a lot to say about it. And I tell you much more against it than for it. Believe me. 
So I just encourage you to hear that. This morning I want to close with this, that you see, as the enemy comes against our minds, he's always trying to corrupt our minds so he can corrupt our life. And the only cure for that is the Word of God. Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32, if you continue in my Word, if you stay in my Word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. It is the truth of God's Word that keeps our minds right. And when, the, when Satan brings deception, if we know the Word of God, we'll be able to fend it off. We'll be able to overcome it. It's amazing how the enemy is always trying to deceive. Always. He just never takes a vacation. One day he will take a vacation, a long one, at the lake of fire. But for now, he's after us all the time, always working against us. You know, I'm at work today, and I'm doing my best, and my coworkers, man, they're just sitting over there doing nothing. I guess I ought to just do a little nothing. No, I think to myself, whatever you do in word or deed, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. What they do is their business. What I do is between me and God. Young people, your mom and dad might not be very spiritual. They might not even go to the church. You might think they're stupid. Well, let me tell you, you need to renew your mind with this. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may live long on the earth. For every single deception, there's a truth from God's Word that you can use. you you got to know God's Word. you got to stay in the Word. You know, I'm under such pressure right now. I'm so stressed out. I don't know what I'm going to do. Man, maybe I need to have a glass. Sorry, it just came out. No, that will keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed on you. Lord, I'm just trusting you in all of this, the storm that's going on around me. I trust you, Lord. You are my peace. See, whatever the deception that the enemy brings, I'm telling you, there's a truth from God's Word that will set you free and put you over in victory. Stand with me. We're going to pray. I'd like for our prayer partners to come.